if you don't have it in place, you should definitely consider yes. it. 100%. And if you have it in place and it's been templated and you just have them sign this thing that, you know, is part of your uh, onboarding package, go have a lawyer take a look at it. The laws and the rules are changing. This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PMP Industry Insider Podcast, where we take a look at what is changing in the pest and lawn industries, and we take you to the front lines to those that are driving those changes. As always, I'm Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Home Services, which has Triangle Pest as well as Triangle Lawn. And with me is the ever so popular Mr. Dan Gordon. Dan, would you like to say good morning, introduce our topic, our sponsors, and then our guest? <laughs> Sure. Uh, uh, Dan Gordon, PCO Bookkeepers, PCO MA Specialists for your accounting and exit planning needs. Um, our uh, sponsor, sponsors, Coal March by Workwave. If you're interested in digital marketing, visit them at colmarch.com. And PestSure, if you're interested in insurance, uh, general liability, workers' comp, and or auto. And I believe they offer others, maybe EPLI and whatnot. Visit them at Peshure.com. Uh, our guests today are, drum roll, please. Drum Bonnie roll. And Dan. There, is, there it and, is. And <laughs> what we're going to talk about, this is kind of a relevant topic because it came up um, and was a significant uh, um, item in one of the M&A transactions that, uh, that I did. But basically, it's non-competes and non-solicits, okay? Before we even get started, just understand that this is not meant to be legal advice, okay? Uh, it <laughs> no one disclaimers. Yes. Right. It's yes. meant to equip you with the right questions to ask your lawyer before implementing employment agreements that use non-competes or non-solicits, okay? So just remember that we are not lawyers. Um, I Absolutely am a not. CPA and I have some business law that uh, in order to be a CPA that you need to understand. And so I'll give you my very rudimentary uh, understanding of the law. But uh, this is kind of an interesting one because it comes up. So, well, hang uh, on. Before you get into that, I will put my disclaimer yeah. out. I, I'm not, I don't need, I'm not even a CPA. I'm just a big dumpster fire. So definitely don't listen to any legalese that I spout out. But, you know, one of the things I was thinking about as you were introducing our sponsors, we actually do need to, and they even asked us to do this, but if you've not taken a look at the Beyond Service User Conference, uh, WorkWave has put that on. Um, should be a good time. We're actually going to go this year at, at Triangle. I'm going to I'm going to take a whole gaggle of folks down there, but um, but it's kind of the combination of their pest pack. It's real green. It's CO2. It's kind of all those platforms. I think they have a couple more conferences that they're rolling into it as well. But down in Orlando, lovely land of Orlando. In January, I'm just looking up the dates. I think it's January 7th through the 10th. So if you've not taken a look at that uh, and and you are or you are wanting to go to a conference, that may be something for you to look at. I know it's a massive conference. They did it. The one year where they did it, was it It wasn't in Vegas. Where were we? Oh, we were at. They did a party at Vegas, but then they did uh, Beyond yeah. Service after that. But but the party service is just. Yeah, it's it's terrific. I, I have been to every Pest Pack user conference since it started. And I've spoken at just about everyone, and I'll be speaking again. So um, we're looking, we're looking forward. We're bringing a bunch of our guys. Um, I always hear about the parties from Dan. I don't. Well, the don't parties really... are good. So uh, you know, Pest Pack and Real Green 
don't really, uh, you know, they're for different industries. You know, both of them try to 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 try to cross into each other's industries. But uh, the one thing that um, the, the biggest strength of Real Green before uh, Workwave bought them was their user conference and the party that they had. It was amazing. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not going to do that. <laughs> and, and just so that you know, Workwave has taken that party to a totally new level. Yes. Last year was yes. just unbelievable. <laughs> so, well, I didn't go to all the parties. Time. I certainly, I think I spoke at one of them, but... Actually, I spoke at a couple, but I am not speaking this year. I'm just going to go incognito. I'm sure people won't even know who I am, which is perfectly fine. And I will walk around and try to soak up as much workwave knowledge as I possibly can. But anyway, just thought I would throw that out for our sponsor. They, you know, they do a good job and uh, we absolutely use a lot of their products and we're going. So with that, let's get into talking about non-competes and non-solicits. Now you were talking about how in transactions, this is a big deal. I'm going to give the perspective of as an active owner, what we do, what I, what my concerns are, some things that I've had happen. Um, and so why don't we start with you, Dan, and you said that this ends up being a big deal. Where do people get into issues with these things? Especially well, let, so, so let's start. Uh, when you hire employees or you negotiate a merger and acquisition between companies, you want to create an agreement that protects you. And one of the important uh, ways to do this as a non-compete or non-solicitation agreement. And that's a legal document that prevents another party from trying to hire to get business from or to obtain information from your business's employees or customers. So what is a non-compete? A non-compete is a contract between an employer and employee that prevents the employee working for a competitor or starting a competing business. Okay. In some states, non-competes are just outlawed. And um, by the way, the federal government, the uh, Biden administration is looking to get rid of non-competes um, in total. And uh, so- Well, hang on, the, let's, let's back but, up but, here real quick because yeah. here, here, here's yeah. the issue, right? I mean, if if you're not familiar with non-competes, and I'm pretty sure folks who are listening to this, most, most are, these are fairly common in our industry. But in a lot of industries, one of the ways that you grow your business is that you find key people from your competitors and you hire them. And then when they when they switch over, they bring their entire customer base with them. And that's really, you know, I think when a lot of people think about non-competes, that's what they're trying to prevent. I mean, like it or not, whether or not you want to admit it, whether or not you agree with it, I really don't care. The reality of it is, is that we are in a relationship business. That absolutely is fundamental. Like it's less and less now than it used to be. But I mean, I tell this story all the time. You know, my mother, God bless her soul. She uses a company that I'm not particularly crazy about and I'm not going to name the company. And so I recommended to her that she use a company of one of my friends. She goes, well, Donnie Ray. Wait a minute. Your mom <laughs> uses a pest control company that you don't approve of? I didn't say I don't approve of. I said that I'm not crazy about. Like they're okay, right? But mm -hmm. there's another one. Like I have a really good friend in that market, which by the way, I don't, if anyone's wondering, I don't service my mother's market and I'm not driving two and a half hours to go get my mom's house. Okay, so you could just, you can judge me now. But she, so she uses a company and I'm like, hey, you should use this other company because this is my buddy. And she goes, now Donnie Ray, Ricky has been servicing our house 
for almost 20 years, I'm not changing companies. <laughs> so, so that's the reality, right? I mean, from her own freaking son, maybe that says more about me than her. I don't know, but. Well, but she absolutely said that, you know, Ricky knows her house. She likes Ricky. Ricky's come over and she, Ricky takes care of her. And so I I just, I make that point because it just, it just shows how strong these relationships are and how people are not necessarily loyal to your brand. They're loyal to your people. And so I was just going to say, who's, who's, customer is your mom, Ricky's or the company? That's exactly right. And so that's when, you know, when, when these non-competes and we're talking about non-competes, this is the real issue. And I think this is why for me personally, I, I don't care as much about a non-compete. And I know we've not defined all these terms. I care more about a non-solicit. A non-solicit to me is way more important than a non-compete. I don't really care if, if someone leaves Triangle and, and they decide to start their own thing. Okay, fine. I don't care if someone just leaves Triangle and decides, hey, we're going to go work for a competitor. That's fine too. I mean, I don't like it, of course, but it's it's. I'm not. Well, let's to back. Kill let's 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 back up. So there's a couple of things: non competes and non solicits. Yep. So this notion that the government wants to get out of non competes and it's uh, you know it's enforceable in certain states. To be enforceable, a non compete has to include an offer, acceptance, intent, and a benefit or consideration to the employee exchange for their promise, okay? What that means is that I taught you, you came into my company and I taught you pest control, and therefore you can't go and leave and work for a competitor. Now, I think most people would say that that's unreasonable if you don't take customers or employees, right? And that's what a non-compete is, and that's what uh, you know. Certain states and now the federal government's trying to do away with. And I'm not. Oh, hang, on, I, hang on, it's not that I, broad, though. I mean, most non-competes they're going to they're going to limit based on geography. Like I teach based, you based. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to do all of that. But you can't in my area now. You can still right, do right. all of that. You just can't do it in my area. Some right. broad one that would be like ever, I'd be like, hell no, 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 no. You're not, you know, no, there's a time limit and there's a geography. Okay. But a non-solicit, they're not going after non-solicits. Non-solicit is what you're really, really, um, that that's the thing that you want to, um, uh, you know, that, that, that's the thing that you want to make sure that is built into your employment agreement, right? Well, let's, let's you define non-solicit because yeah. again, we, we started defining the, the non-compete and, but let's, let's get over to what a non-solicit is and how it's different than a non-compete because they right. are two so, different things. So a non-solicit is a contract in which an employee agrees not to solicit a company's clients or customers, uh, and, or, um, for lack of a better term, poach their employees for their own benefit or the benefit of a competitor after leaving the company. Okay. So, um, and again, you also have to have um, a specified date range, you know, like two years, three years, whatever, a geographic area and a reasonableness clause. So that's, those, those are, um, you know, those are some of the things that you want to do. So non-solicits are sometimes in some states unenforceable, okay? Mm-hmm. But most courts are likely to be more sympathetic to a non-solicit than a non-compete, okay? Now, here's the most obvious thing. Why do we need non-solicits, 
Okay. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, um, it's not just employees. A lot of people will make uh, independent contractors, you know, and I don't mean like subcontractors if you're subcontracting fumigation. I mean, if you bring in somebody to help you with uh, to 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 move your business in the in the right direction. I I, I almost want to say, uh, oh, I don't know, some sort of consulting, leadership consulting, that kind of thing, right? Um, the a lot of people will have uh, the subcontractor or the ten ninety nine person sign a non solicit. Okay, so um, hang on, I want to pause you there because this is a really important point. Um, I don't even know how to go about saying this. I'm, so I'm going to try and we'll see where it goes. But so I have a friend of mine and he's a good friend. He's not in our industry. Um, good guy would, I mean, you know, upbeat guy, whatever. During COVID, he worked two full-time jobs. Now, how did he work two full-time jobs, Dan? <laughs> Uh, I didn't, I wouldn't know. And nobody who worked for me worked two full-time jobs. Well, I only had to, <laughs> I only caught one person working two full-time jobs. Yeah. So, so basically it's this whole work from home thing that legitimately he worked for two different companies and he did just enough not to get canned and he got two full-time jobs. Now, were the two full-time jobs in the same industry with competing companies? Yes. Yeah, that, that yeah. that's probably not so it's, good. And what's funny is you ever have a conversation with someone and they ask you for advice. And I'm one, like, I'm never going to tell someone, you got to do A, B, or C. Well, I shouldn't say I will never do that. My children would absolutely disagree with that. But outside of my kids, I would never say, well, you need to do this, you need to do that. But so we have this conversation over the phone and I'm like, I'm telling him everything, like, just not, you know morality, ethics, conflict of interest. Can you really, you know, I'm going through, can you really give both all your full time? I'm going through all of these different things. And at the end of the conversation, I'm thinking, okay, I've, I've made it obviously clear. This is not a good idea. He goes, yep. I know what I'm doing. Thanks, man. This is, it's, that's the, that's the validation I needed. I was like, what? Ah. What happened? Yeah, you know, my guess is that his mind was already made up, and it didn't really matter what I said. I could be like, you know, you're gonna get, you know, this, this, and that. He'd be like, great. But long story short, by, by the way, if you have a full time gig and whatnot, and you need extra money for your family, and you want to flip hamburgers at night, as long as you don't flip hamburgers during the day, then yeah. You know. But in this case, this was obvious. Yes. Like there were so yeah. many hours, it was not a full time gig. By the way, he was getting paid full time for both. By the way, he he doesn't do this anymore, but he did it during COVID. He did it shortly after COVID as well. And now that folks are bringing people back into the office, this is becoming less and less common. But it is a thing. Don't think for a moment, mm-hmm. and it's not. And I'm bringing it back around to this, you know, this whole idea of of 1099 contractors. You absolutely need to put your folks under this because the reality of it is, is that like it or not, they absolutely could be a 1099 contractor helping someone do the very same things that you're doing um, and it be legal and legit. So something to think about, it's, you know, I had never even heard of this. I'm like, what? Like when he, when he told me this idea, I'm like, well, that's crazy. Like it, it didn't even cross my mind that someone would even have, but it's pretty damn common 
in this work from home environment. I say it's common. I don't know how many folks are doing it. This has been just my experience, but, but ultimately, you know, when I think about someone on my staff being solicited by one of my competitors to do contract work on the side for thing, that to me is, that's a little dirty. That I think so. Yeah. That feels a little icky and I want some sort of protection in place that says, Hey, look, that's, that's off limits. If you want to work in your off time, fine, but you are not to work a, for a competitor, you know, doing the same things that you're doing at our company. That's, that's a little, that's, that's where I kind of draw the line. And so, so anyway, so, so getting back to this whole idea of, of making sure that your contractors or that your, your current full-time employees can't act in a contractor role do in your same industry. Like that's, that's something that I would, I would be paying attention to. And that was something I would be looking into. So anyway, let's keep going. So so why do you need them? Obviously you want to keep them from stealing your customers and employees and use it as a deterrent. But here's one that you might not have thought of unless you've been toying with selling your company. And, you know, you know, we, we work in the M&A space and whatnot, and this comes up all the time, but it's extremely important if you're thinking of selling your company. In fact, it can kill a deal if you don't have the right uh, non-solicits in place that are assignable, right? Because what when you sell your company, what are you really selling? You're selling your customer relationships. You're selling an assembled workforce. You're selling, you know, are there any real trade secrets in pest control? You're eh, selling. You're not. selling your system, right? I mean, your yeah. system. I mean, legitimately, you're selling your system. And, and if if it's there's no guarantees that that system is going to continue once you depart and the check's written, then yeah, that's not very valuable. Like if mm-hmm. if you haven't don't have that locked in. Not to say that. I mean. Can you imagine deals? And I've seen this happen where there's an acquisition that happens and now everyone has to sign a new non-compete. You're talking about going over like a fart in church. I mean, it is absolutely not. People don't. Well, and it happens, but it's just like, hmm. So, so one of the things, my, my limited understanding of the law from being a CPA is a contract is made where two things are exchanged. You exchange... Um, you know, the, the, uh, you tell me that you're going to do something or you're not going to do something, or you're going to give me something and I have to give you consideration. So it's got to be a trade, right? So normally when you hire somebody, uh, they'll sign a non-compete or non-solicit and the consideration is you giving them a job. But once they have that job, and if you haven't put that in place, how do you get a non-solicit in place after you hear this podcast and you say, you know, I really ought to do this and whatnot. Well, the first thing you should do is go to your lawyer and make sure that, uh, uh, you know, that you have a well-written document, but how do you get somebody who's already employed to sign one of these things? You want to talk about a fart in church. Okay. Listen, you want to keep your job? Mm, That's not really consideration, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I've seen one that was pretty creative. This is not that common, but where um, you know you uh, offer the employee actual cash. Here's five hundred dollars. You need to sign this. That's so let consideration. Me, let me pause you there because I've actually I I've had direct experience with this exact issue in other businesses, not in our industry. And what I ended up doing 
was when I sold, I took a portion of that sales and I wanted to, I wanted to bonus those to help me build it. And what I did is I packaged it with that bonus. And I said, okay, this transaction's happening. You know, as part of this transaction, we obviously want you to stay, you know, and by the way, here's what, here's what's required in order for us to, to progress with, and the bonuses were substantial. They were not like, you know, a, a, a freaking $20 Home Depot card, right? I mean, they were pretty doggone substantial. And so what I did was I packaged it with that bonus for that mm-hmm. exact reason, what you just said was because now they already, and I didn't want them it, the last thing I want. I mean, you, you know, there's things that you can do that are legal that are icky and there's like, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. you win, but you don't really win. In this case, right. what I wanted is I wanted them to feel like they got a super good win and they make the commitment to the buyer because ultimately, you know, I want the buyer to win as well. And so everyone kind of gets something out of the deal, right? And, and you know, the, the buyer's winning, I'm winning, and the person who's staying is winning. And so I would just say that if you find yourself in that situation, that is something that you can do. It's an option I've done, and it was pretty effective in our case. So what you're describing is something called a stay bonus, right? And we work with those all the time, where basically the owner, when they sell his company, might have some contingent uh uh, contingency where uh, they like an earnout, right? So I'm going to pay you a million dollars for your company, but I'm going to give you eight hundred thousand, and we have to do X, Y, and Z, and you'll get the other two hundred thousand. Okay, so and it's probably very doable. However, if your key person decides to leave, then it's not so easy. So maybe you offer your key person twenty thousand, fifty thousand, whatever, to stay and to make sure that whatever it is that you committed to do, whether it's, you know, keeping certain customers and whatnot, um, you would earn or he would earn that stay bonus after a certain period of time. And that's very common in the uh, M&A world. But uh, one of the, we had a deal. It was an awesome deal. (laughs) And it was with one of the big strategics and it was worth, you know, uh, nine digits. And, we got to diligence and uh, the general manager was a, um, you know, he was pretty integrally involved in the business. And usually when we go into these diligence uh, meetings, it's just the owner because they don't want anybody to know that maybe that they're uh, selling and whatnot. But this general manager, he knew it. We brought him into the diligence because he was part of top management. And when it the topic came up about the non-competes or non-solicits, they noticed that he didn't have one. And he was asked about it. And he said, I will not sign (laughs) that document. And that deal died. And... Because he uh, he would not sign. Yeah. And the owner almost made him die, but... (laughs) I was gonna say, how did they? How did they? How did you get these guys in the same? Does he still have a job? Like, did he? Uh, no, he uh, had uh, left, um, and the problem was he didn't have this, and he did take a little, you know, piece of the business because he, you know, um, and which is totally unethical and whatnot. But there was no agreement in place, right? And turns out that this guy did some other shady things and um, they were able to uh, get the law on them and uh, whatnot. And ultimately, probably about two and a half years later, we were able to sell the company. But to be honest, the company sold for less than 
what we originally had because the company was a little smaller because this guy had stolen some customers and and they didn't recover. Hmm. So, so that's an interesting one. It is an interesting one. So so just backing up here and, and going big picture, if you're listening to this, I think there's probably a couple things I would I would be thinking about. Number one is if you have a non-compete, are you really wanting a non-compete or do you want a non-solicit? I'm asking myself this question. I know that we have both. I don't know how solid it is. I mean, after then, you know, it's, I will tell you, one of the reasons I do this podcast is because it forces me to look at things I don't typically look at and non-solicits. It's not something that's super sexy. It's not growing the business. It's not something that I'm focused on all the time, but it absolutely is important. And I've had legitimately at least twice since I've been in business where I had someone who either I let go or someone left and they started soliciting and I made a phone call and I said, listen, you're only going to get one phone call. If I hear of you doing this any longer, the next time I'm going to pull you into court and we're going to, we're going to battle this out. In both cases, um, the person that was doing it, they, they stopped. Right. I mean, usually I have a, I won't. And by the way, by me saying this, I don't want anyone to, this is not my ego talking, or maybe it is hell. I don't know. But most of the time I try to keep pretty good relationships with people that work with me and for me. And, you know, I've, I've I'm not going to say I've had that with everyone. There's been some people that have absolutely was, it was a delight to can them, to get rid of them because they didn't belong for some reason that they did, you know, but, but normally, you know, if I make a phone call, I'm like, look, man, I'm not, I don't want to prevent you from working in our industry, but I spent a lot of money and I've put a lot of time into building our customer base. And that's not for your taking. It's not open for you to do that. You don't have a right to do that. And so bringing it back around, for me, I am way more concerned about the non-solicit than I am about the non-compete. Because I, like, again, I could care less if you go work for someone else or, or if you start your own thing. I just don't want you taking out the value of what we spent. Because I can tell you, most people who work in pest and lawn industries, they don't really generate all the business, right? The marketing is, you know, the, the, they don't put the dollars in to create the customers. Now they help service them and I'm not making light of what they do, but you know, they're part of the operations. They're not necessarily part of the generation. And it's a lot of money. You know, you talk about 10%. Well, you can, you, you can have uh, the non-solicit embedded in the non-compete. You can have one yes. agreement, right? So yes. if one, but one of the, the clauses that you normally see in contracts, and again, I'm not a lawyer, so talk to your lawyer about this, but um, usually like one of the last um, pieces of a contract say, if one of these uh, clauses are invalidated, it doesn't mean that all of them are, yeah. right? So yeah. if you knock out one piece, it doesn't mean that the others are. So Isn't that called like severability or something like yeah. that? Yeah. 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 Ooh, look at you. Huh? Oh gosh. No. Yeah, bug no, guy. Huh? I'm dumb on a box of rocks. So anyway, so bringing it back around, you know, I think probably the, at least for me, I kind of view non-competes, non-solicits, the way I do contracts for customers, meaning that am I going to take someone to task and like, we're going to battle it out in court? Probably not. Probably not. If someone calls in to cancel, we're going to be like, well, you know, you signed a contract. If they're like, you're an effing idiot. I'm not paying anything. I hate your guts. Go to hell. I'm going to be like, no problem. You know what? We'll, we'll, we'll be <laughs> <laughs> like I'm going to end the agreement right there. Cause the last thing I want to do is keep that personal service. But you know, 
there's phone calls that we don't get because people understand, well, I signed an agreement. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to, and so, so bringing that back around for me, I think, you know, a non-compete, a non-solicit, it's more about it being a deterrent, right? It's more about it being something where, you know, I have this option in my pocket, you know, I can go to battle if I want to, but if someone leaves and and I find out they're working for a competitor, uh, they're not going to get a phone call. I'm not going to chase them. I'm not calling the other owner, whatever. If someone goes and is working for a competitor or starts their own business and then all of a sudden every customer on that route or big customers on that route is now going to the new company or going to this 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 newly started company, now we're going to go to battle. Now, now we got something, you know, now, now it's like, that's something totally different. So, so for me, that's in the operations side, Dan, I'm obviously, I'm sure you're thinking of on the M&A side, what it does for you on the M&A side. Maybe just talk about that real quick. And, and then if you're, con- I'm assuming that if you've got a timeline in the next five years, this is probably not a, this is probably not a discussion you want to have in due diligence. <laughs> you know yeah. <laughs> The first thing you need to do is, um, even if you have them in place and they're like old templated, go have your attorney or an attorney uh, check it out and make sure that what you have is good and it's enforceable. Uh, You were talking about enforcing various contracts and most people in this industry, if you've been around long enough, you've gotten a nasty gram or sent a nasty gram from an attorney reminding you a person of their responsibilities who signed one of these things right? Uh, and or, you know, maybe something a little stronger if they started to steal customers or employees or whatnot. Um, But you definitely want to have these uh, agreements in place. Uh, The whole non-compete thing is in flux. Uh, I believe it's next spring where, um, you know, uh, the FTC who is kind of in charge of this is going to make their decision. Um, the, the proposed rule, um, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, so they pushed it off to next spring. Um, and, and I'm sure that the, they're, they're, they're uh, having discussions about it. But even if non-competes are um, outlawed, non-solicits will not be, I don't think. Uh, it would be crazy to do that. And so you need to have one of these things in place. One of the things that I have not spent a ton of time talking about, which I think is important, is this whole idea of non-solicits on your team. And the reason I'm not talking about it is because it's so dang slick. Like, how do you, like, you know, if you're on LinkedIn now, people are reaching out and, and soliciting you all the time. And so for me, like, if you, if you have people that are leaving your company and they're going to work for another competitor and you now you've got a, a role of two, three, or four, I just think going to battle and going to court over that, I don't know if there's a win there. And the reason is, is because it would be so difficult for you to show that that specific person, you know, even if it was someone else different in that company that was soliciting, is that illegal? Nope. And in reality of it is, it's like, I mean, I guess my point is, is like here, if you have a team and you start losing your team to one of your competitors, I think you're going to be much better served taking a good look in the mirror than, you know, pulling out the lawyer army and spending a ton of money on basically uh, chasing, 
chasing dead weight. But, but also it, it's normal. I, you know, this weekend was a holiday weekend. I was out on the boat with two friends and both of them just took new jobs, both different industries, one in the hospitality industry, one in the telematics industry, and both took two jobs and they're pretty high powered guys. And we were talking and, you know, both of them, yeah, I'll get myself uh, acclimated there and then I'll bring my team over. And I was like, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> what does that do to, you know, yeah. ownership of of where you left? So it's 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 definitely a problem. So it is absolutely a problem. But I, I guess my point is, is that bringing it back around to enforcing a non-solicit and maybe there's some listeners out there who have successfully done this or think it's a good strategy. I personally don't think it is. And the reason is, is because if you if you hire someone first of all, as an owner, and they start bringing all of quote unquote, their people, is that really a good strategy for you as an owner? That's mm-hmm. the first question you should be asking yourself. And if you're cool with it, fine. Second thing is, is that now when that person leaves and all of a sudden all of your leadership leaves with them, and then you go to like, you're all pissed off and you're like, well, I'm going to rip out the attorneys and go after this person. How are you really going to in court show unless it was that specific person that was doing the soliciting, because you, you, it, it just, it would it, be so uh, You can enforce it, but the question is how yeah. much money is it worth? And I probably would make an example so that people don't, you know, as a deterrent, you need to do that. You need to protect your, your turf. But Th- by the way, this is, money. this is where Dan and I, this is where we depart. It, okay. it, it'll, it'll cost you money, but you know, uh, you, you've got to do it to to show people that you're not going to be, uh, you know, that you're not going to come in here and, and strip out my my leadership and or my customers. So, anyway, that's. I think it it you know listen like I said disclaimer we're not attorneys check with your attorney but I think that this is something that if you don't have it in place you should definitely consider yes, it 100%. and if you have it in place and it's been templated and you just have them sign this thing that you know is part of your uh onboarding package go have a lawyer take a look at it and make sure that it's enforceable and that that it serves your needs because the laws and the rules are changing and and also the court rulings um you know as well so just make sure that you do that but just realize, and I have to say this disclaimer, even having all of this, there's no there's no way to completely block someone. It's going to cost never, you money. It never will be. I mean, it, it's it's a deterrent, right? I mean, it absolutely, I mean, it, that's really the, the which how you need to view this. It, it doesn't mean you shouldn't try. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't put a, a, a good attorney on it and have some really solid agreements in place. All I'm saying is just watch your expectations. Don't don't get in a place where it's like, you know, my my non-solicit is is rock solid and no one's going to get past it. And I just think those are the wrong expectations. So, all right. Anything else to add, Dan, or you think we're good here on this topic? I think we're good on the topic. All right. Just a reminder that all the resources and topics that we talked about today are available on the podcast website, pmpindustryinsider.com. And we always appreciate any kind of positive ratings and reviews you can give us. If you can reach out to us on Apple, Spotify, and our newly minted YouTube channel, which is continuing to grow, which we really, really like. We enjoy that platform, mainly because you get to see Dan's beautiful face. And if you have complaints, comments, concerns, anything negative in nature, please pass that along to Dan. And with that, we're signing off. We'll see you all next time. Take see care. Ya. Take Bye care. Now.